This is The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, San Jose's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. Minimum wage workers in San Jose will see their pay rise to $17 an hour next year. But some see it as an incremental change that will have little effect on the cost of living in one of the most expensive regions in the country. And while San Jose is ahead of the state when it comes to paying a minimum wage, it's falling behind neighboring cities like Mountain View, Sunnyvale, and Santa Clara. Here to talk with me about the upcoming minimum wage increase is Scott Myers Lipton, a sociology professor at San Jose State University. He was a faculty advisor to the students who led a successful ballot measure campaign to raise the minimum wage in San Jose in 2012. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. So a decade ago, the city increased its minimum wage from $8 an hour to $10 an hour. That's in relation to that ballot measure campaign I just mentioned uh, in 2012. Can you talk about that campaign and how it came to pass? Yeah, it started in actually 2010. A student by the name of Maricela Castro was in a class on poverty, wealth, and privilege that I teach. She happened to see when she was working at an after-school program um, where students were taking food and putting the, putting the food in the, their backpacks. And so she approached the students and said, hey, you know, you can't do that. The food is for here, for the students that are here in, in, as part of our program. And they said, well, we don't have enough food at home for our brothers and sisters. We run out every month. And she asked, well, do your parents have jobs? And she said, the, the kid said, yeah, parents have jobs. In fact, my father works two jobs. Uh, and, and the mom works as well, but they're at minimum wage. And uh, so she came in that next day. We happened to be talking about minimum wage that at that time in the class. And she had read about a campaign that was being discussed down in Los Angeles around minimum wage. And so she said, you know, profe, we have to do something. <laughs> that, those are her exact words to me. And I said, well, in this class, we don't actually don't do anything. But I teach a class called Social Action where students, and I teach it every semester, and students come into that class and they propose uh, policy changes. You're more than welcome to take that class and propose an idea or this idea that you have for increasing the minimum wage. So she did take the class. She did make that pitch in the first, uh, actually on the second day of class. And three students joined uh, her to do that. And that began the minimum wage campaign. And really for the, you know, all through that 2010 period in, over over the um that spring and even over the summer, it was really just about seven, eight students and and Pancho Guevara and me. Pancho over at the um, Sacred Heart Community Services, the direct, uh, you know, the um, the director there, and it was really us. And um, I remember kind of at the end of the summer, Pancho saying, you know, we, we really hadn't grown that big, and you know, we were talking about ideas, and he's like, we just have to make a decision: are we going to do this or not? To the students, and the students said, you know, basically, I think I think we should do it. He said. And so the students said, okay, let's go. And really that was kind of the, the kind of the kick that really got them to actually put their plan into, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, action. And they started building allies around um, uh, the, the city and they went to um, uh, Cindy Chavez over at the labor council and she became an ally. And, and they went to uh, the faith-based community and pulled in faith leaders. So they really built this large coalition that led that. So, you know, it really was a community victory of nonprofits and labor and, and, um, and the faith community, but really it was the students that were in the leadership. And then, you know, being outspent, I think we were outspent $1.5 million to $2 million 
the Chamber of Commerce and uh, the Restaurant Association and other big donors on, on the conservative side put in money. I think we had less than $100,000. So we were outspent like 15 to 1, and we still won 60% to 40% because the idea resonated with, with, the, with, the, with the city and with the community. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible story. Yeah, and I, I always say to my students that if, if, um, if they were at Harvard or Princeton or Stanford, that the, 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 the students that ran that campaign, their picture would have been on the cover of Time magazine <laughs> because it was such a, a phenomenal effort. And I, and I believe that the single largest increase in the minimum wage from eight to 10, and then immediately after they passed that, they started working at, to, to go to 15 because they, they realized that, um, that you know, they originally in that when they were doing the research and you have to remember back in 2010, when they started, there were only two other cities in the, in the, in the whole entire country, San Francisco and Santa Fe that had a minimum wage that was close around $10. And then um, um, Washington DC had a, like an 825 and that was it. There'd been several attempts um, to increase minimum wage. All had been turned back and lost. So San Jose really became the national leader um, in minimum wage. And, and we could talk later about what that means, but it, that was a really exciting, exciting time. I'm sure it was. And now San Jose is raising the minimum wage from $16.20 an hour to $17 an hour. Um, we have also heard from workers that the change won't have much of an effect on their economic situation. Uh, this is due to the high cost of living, rising food prices, gas prices, as well as regular household bills. How can local leaders and agencies better support these minimum wage workers? Well, first, I, I want to address your, your question about not doing not doing anything, because I think about 25, 26 states still have the minimum wage when the students at San Jose State started to lead that campaign in 2010. It was 725. And so I'm convinced that if the students didn't lead that campaign and led for a whole regional and eventually a statewide movement, and just so you know, you know, when the students passed the minimum wage, that led to many of the cities right around us passing minimum wage, which we'll talk about, about how, how they're actually higher now than San Jose, how disappointing that is since San Jose was a national leader. But also the state of California passed a minimum wage. And Luis Alejo, the former assembly member, now a supervisor down in Salinas, he emailed me or texted me that night and said, tell your students that Governor Brown would not be signing the bill right now to increase the minimum wage to which it's going out to 1550, would not be doing this without the students at San Jose State. So the students had not just a regional, but a statewide impact on the, on the, uh, uh, on the, you know, the, what the community in the, in the city and in the region and the state. So a huge impact, but let, let's address the, the, the um, increase in, in, uh, toward inflation, because that's a really important point. Because the students, when they started the campaign and they wanted to make it significant, so eight to 10, then 10 to 15, they wanted significant jumps and they felt those were significant, but they also wanted to make ensure that it was tied to inflation because the 725 number is still at 725 nationally and over half our country still has that. And it's the longest. Uh, amount of time that's gone by. I think it's now 2007 to now to 2022. So that's 15 years that where our minimum wage hasn't been increased. Just outrageous for all those minimum wage workers. But they also said the students, we wouldn't do it without 
tying it to inflation. So it goes up every year. So we don't have the problem like the nation does. And while we take that for granted now around the country and around the city, around the community, in the county, in the state, that it's going to go up every year, that was not the case. The governors that, you know, did not want that. There were, there were politicians did not want to have that increase uh, with inflation. So that's a huge change. So yet yeah, it, it might not, it might not solve their, their, uh, their issue around poverty. And the students realize that even a change from eight to 10 and then to 15 was not going to solve their issues, but it was going to make their lives a bit better. And that's what I think the, the minimum wage has allowed. So I think that's a, a really important a part uh, of the story that doesn't get talked about. For me, I would like to challenge the city of San Jose, which I have, by the way, in private, because m- how I work, just so you know, and for the community knows, like my work is really in democracy. I teach students how to do democracy, how to bring about change. And my students have led in the last 16 years at San Jose State, 16 uh, different campaigns they've won. They've led over 30 plus but 16 campaigns they've won. You know, the, the Measure G campaign was a, a business tax that was that came out of a student campaign. Uh, you know, on our campus, they've led for an emergency bed program for homeless students that came out of uh, the class. So many victories. I don't come up with the ideas. The students really are the drivers of the idea. But I have suggested privately to the city council Hey, city council, do you all realize we're now in the minimum of the pack within, I think we're out of the 15 counties, we're seventh. So we're right in the middle of where the minimum of the minimum wage. And San Jose, why not keep the label that we used to have, national leader? Because you got Mountain View at 1815. Why don't we immediately go to 1815? That's what I would say to this new city council. We should immediately match what Mountain View has at 1815. Would that solve people's problems? Around poverty? Absolutely not. But a dollar more would be several thousand dollars more at the end of the year. And that would be a little bit of help. And so we, we should be doing everything possible to, to help our lowest paid workers. And why not be at the highest 1815 at Mountain View, 1795 at Sunnyvale? We should immediately go up to this $18 number, 1815. And, and I would also challenge other cities, which have a lot of money, by the way, Los Gatos and Saratoga, which don't even, they, they are basically at the state, what the state provides, which is at 1550. So why, why are those two very wealthy communities offering such a low minimum wage in light of the fact that minimum wage has shown that it's had little to no negative impacts in San Jose, the years that followed the minimum wage, numbers of businesses grew. The businesses were not hurt. That's what they said. Businesses were going to get crushed. Didn't happen. Unemployment actually dropped after the next several years after the passage of minimum wage. It was a positive to businesses because people stayed in their businesses longer and because they were happier in their jobs. The number of minimum wage jobs actually expanded. They say it was going to get slashed and employment hours remained constant. And workers, particularly Latino workers in our community, were supported with $4,000 immediately within a year of their of, of passage from $8 to $10. So with all these positives, why are we still debating that minimum wage is, if we increase minimum wage to, you know, where we're at now, 17, and that's why we should push it to 18, 15 at, at the highest level. Uh, why, why are we still doing, the, you know, debating that? I, I listened to a report just recently 
where they're talking about, you know, should we increase the minimum wage from 725? I'm like, I'm in a time warp going back to 2000, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where I'm hearing these same arguments. We know because not just San Jose passed it, but, you know, dozens of cities around San Jose, when they saw that the students and the community was successful in passing it, passed their own increase of minimum wage higher than the state. So it really got to be a challenge to our, our local leaders in city, in our own city, and also in these other cities, um, and also around the country, that San Jose shows and Santa Clara County shows and the region of the Bay Area shows, you increase the minimum wage, hardly any negative impacts. The only impact that could be seen negative is a, a few percentage point increase of prices. But we knew that going in. We talked to several small businesses, the students, and the businesses said, it's not going to impact us negatively. We can't say that publicly because the business community won't be happy at us. But I'm telling you, don't tell anybody I'm saying this. But they, 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 and these were large, small, you know, businesses that had many different stores locally that did small businesses, but they had many stores. And they said, we might, we might raise our price to, you know, you know, uh, you know, one uh, uh, or 2%, but it's not going to be very much. So there you go. So we should stop having this debate about minimum wage. It is going to hurt and raise it rapidly to $18. And I'm glad to talk more about other ideas because minimum wage is just one of the strategies to address poverty and inequality. There's many more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi there. Ramona Guwark is here, co-founder and CEO of San Jose Spotlight. Our annual end-of-year fundraising campaign, Newsmatch, is underway. Now, through December 31st, your donation will be matched dollar for dollar by Newsmatch sponsors such as the Hewlett Foundation and the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. For an independent nonprofit organization like us, this is a big deal and will help us deliver the kind of in-depth journalism you've come to expect. It's the kind of reporting that can make a real difference in our community and is worthy of your support. Donate today at SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thank you. Are you looking to make a difference in San Jose? AARP, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to empowering people to choose how they live as they age, is looking for volunteers here in San Jose to advocate on services, programs, and policies to help make our community more livable for people of all ages and abilities. Learn more and apply to become an AARP San Jose local advocacy team volunteer at aarp.org slash San Jose. That's aarp.org slash San Jose. Yeah, and you know, getting back to something you touched on about how San Jose has fallen behind uh, minimum wage when it comes to the other local cities, like you said, Mountain View is going up uh, almost a dollar. That's right, eighteen fifteen, and Sunnyville's at seventeen ninety five. Yep, Palo Alto seventeen twenty five. A few other cities ahead of San Jose. So, how did San Jose fall behind when it comes to minimum wage? When, as you mentioned earlier, it used to actually be a, a nationwide leader. Well, this is, a, a, you know, you should do more research on this. This is a very important <laughs> At that time period, what happened was um, uh, the mayor for, uh, you know, Sam Licardo, as a mayor at the time, after it passed the minimum wage pass, he, and, and, uh, he decided he was going to support, after initially not supporting minimum wage, um, he was, um, you know, I had, uh, I, myself and the students had a meeting with, with Sam early on, and he was not thrilled that we were involved in this effort. And then he voted against 
uh, passing the minimum wage on an eight to three vote in front of city council because they could have just passed it themselves. The students and the community had gathered 36,000 signatures, about 20 more thousand that were necessary. We had the polling data. The polling data show it was going to pass overwhelmingly. We presented that and we and and I both publicly and privately to Sam and uh, he voted against it eight to three. So I think Sam and you have to ask Sam Licardo, Mayor, Mayor Licardo, but he changed he changed his mind. Maybe he had a change of heart. But then he started. He said, I'm interested in, in having a regional citywide effort. That was that was one of his points. So he's talked about $15 and my students jumped on that bandwagon early and were pushing that hard for $15. Now, what happened was two other cities, uh, Mountain View and Sunnyvale, decided to um, actually increase their minimum wage faster than us. And so they, where ours was going to take, you know, it was like when it was going to be implemented, they held out for a year, San Jose, while Mountain View and Sunnyvale instituted the higher level, which, which was at our time, our level, but because we waited a year, then we fell behind. So we delayed a year in San Jose in implementing the increase to $15. We did it slower than Mountain View and Sunnyvale. That's why they're higher. And, and it kind of goes against Mayor Licardo's idea of having a regional minimum wage because on the other side, Chuck Reed and others and, and from the Chamber of Commerce and the Restaurant Association were saying, oh, people are going to drive across over to Campbell to get a hot dog or a hamburger or get, you know, you know some fast food because the prices will be cheaper. That didn't happen. What happened was those workers – and I know this happened because I talked to many of them. They started asking for coming to San Jose because they could make a dollar or two more here in San Jose than they could. And so that's a question. Are our minimum wage workers going to Mountain View and Sunnyvale for those, for a dollar more an hour? I'm telling you, if I was a minimum wage worker, I surely would do it. Yeah. And, you know, because that's what I was curious about is it seems like some of the challenges here could be um... – you know, with this patchwork of different minimum wages across the county, that workers would leave San Jose to go work in places like Mountain View or Sunnyvale or Palo Alto, where they can make more. I think I think I, I mean, that's a good research question. I think it's worthy of, of pursuing. I'm telling you, I think I know it happened when we had the disparity between other like Saratoga and San Jose and and Campbell. I know at Fry's, people I, I talked to workers who were at Fry's. And that, that store was in Campbell, and they asked to transfer to San Jose Fries because they'd get a higher wage. So absolutely. So why wouldn't it happen now? I think you're raising, and I think that's a research question that you should that should be pursued. Another thing, I want to go back to something you had touched on earlier about how some cities are really only moving with the state average. Um, in Santa Clara County, there's a few. There's let me list these here. There's Campbell, Gilroy, Los Altos Hills, Los Gatos, as you mentioned, Monte Sereno. Morgan Hill and Saratoga, they're all going 50 cents higher to 15.50 an hour. And that's just the state, that's just the state, what the state requires. And I think it's a question to all those city council people, why aren't they moving on that? And here's the thing, what's great about our, our, um, our state is that we allow people to do ballot measures. Why, is, you know, some of those folks in those communities could do that as well and say, look, in our community, Paying people fifteen fifty an hour is not acceptable. And when you look in San Jose and say who are working those jobs, because people are saying, "Oh, those are you know our students." Which, by the way, my students, you know, 
11% of which are homeless, need that money, by the way, to, to pay for rent. And I don't know if you, if you saw, and if you look at the numbers, I was looking at them this morning, the students did this because they were really under the gun when it was coming to, in 2010, um, tuition had gone up 140%, gas was $4 a gallon in 2010, and um, what was the other thing? They're, and they were getting paid, you know, uh, oh, and rent was 1600 So look at this. It was $8 an hour at that time because we were a little bit higher than the, the state had a little bit higher than the nation at seven twenty five. We had eight. But we've now doubled the minimum wage, basically, from eight to now 16, right? It was 16.20. It's going up. A little, it's going up to uh, 17, right? But so we've doubled that. But rent was 1600 for a two bedroom. Today, it's 3200. So how much have we really, you know, helped minimum wage workers? Because both have gone up. I mean, the only thing I would say, you know, both have doubled. I would only argue is that without the students leading that campaign, all these regions wouldn't have done it. And we would still be at, um, you know, 725, maybe, or, 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 or you know, a few, a few, a little bit higher, uh, because, you know, without that push from the students of San Jose State. That kind of ties into my last question here as well. I, I think part of the issue with this minimum wage increase um, with workers not feeling like it makes much of a difference is the cost of living and how expensive it is to live here in San Jose and Santa Clara County. What do you think needs to be done to address the wealth disparity in the region? I, I know you've suggested uh, universal. Sorry, I know you've suggested universal basic income in the past. Yep. So, I, I, so first of all, I'm, I'm the lead author of the Silicon Valley Pain Index. If you want to read about unfortunate the pain around wealth inequality. Uh, please go to that document because we're trying to we're we're doing a, a every June we release the the report. Um, it's out of the San Jose State Human Rights Institute. Uh, we we are trying to show that the numbers are, whether they're getting worse or better. But ever since we started, they continually get worse. If you think they're bad now, they're worse the next year. So we're not going in the right direction. And we and what we're doing is we're sending that uh, document to the city supervisor, city uh, council members, the supervisors, the federal Congress members of our community, the assembly members, the state senators, and say, please, you know, here are the numbers, put forward an idea. Well, David Cortese did put forward a basic income idea for students. Um, it was almost passed at the state. Was He's going to bring it back next year, but it was to give students that were in the bottom 20% who, who met, some of those folks end up, as I said, we have this homeless crisis. About 11% of CSU students are homeless, which on our campus, that means 4,000 students every year will spend at least a night or two um, not in a house every every year. So David Cortese put forward a bill to give a basic income. I believe the number was $500 a month. It might have been 1,000, but you could look at that. Um, go back and with that idea. Now, Supervisor Ellenberg is taking that idea and putting it forward at the county level. So we'll see if that passes. Um, and if that, I think it actually is moving forward. So that's a, that's a good idea. So I think basic income, a guaranteed income would go a long way. And this is not a radical left idea. It's an idea that was actually um, promoted in, most powerfully by Richard Nixon. And he called it the family assistance plan um, or program. And so it's a basic in income, a guaranteed income that you get rid of, you know, of welfare that's going to folks and make sure that people have a guaranteed income rather than giving folks welfare. So it's a basic income for all. And so and if you make, you know, if, if you're still working, but at least would get you a minimum that would get you close 
to you could afford the basics, right? That's it wouldn't get you into the wealthy. It would at least get you to afford the basics of rent, food, clothing. I think the other idea, let me just mention a couple. And I think we have to think about this. Here's the here's the thing I would want to get through to the community of, of Silicon Valley and beyond. We have to think massive. We have to think so much bigger than we're thinking right now to deal with this. I don't know if you saw the recent report out of Oakland that said they're spending $122 million a year, 6% of their budget on homelessness. They did an estimate because one of their city council members said, how much would it cost to house everyone on our street? And the number was $4.5 billion. So, right? so that's $122 million. So that's $4.5 billion, and they're spending $122 million, not even $1,000 million, which would be $1 billion. It would be necessary to spend $4.5 billion to house the folks in, in Oakland. So we have to think so much bigger than we're thinking right now. So a basic income is an idea. I, I'm a big fan of a guaranteed um, job uh, through public works like we had in the New Deal. I think that's a really great way to help folks. I think we need to, to fund the housing trust fund. We need decent housing for everybody. That's a right. Housing should be a right. And right now, you know, after it was passed with Obama, they, they continually, Congress put zero dollars in the housing trust fund. There has to be hundreds of billions of dollars in that housing trust fund to build you know, low-income housing, extremely low-income housing. We just don't have enough housing for the bottom third, the bottom 30 or 40% of our people, just not enough. I think also um, the idea of reparations, blacks have one-tenth the wealth of whites. It's a direct result of the enslavement and then of redlining and then of blocking people to get loans, African-Americans, and blocking them to get the GI Bill. So one-tenth of the wealth of whites, of blacks have for whites. So reparations, and California is looking into this. This is an issue that I think must be dealt with. And I would lastly just end with, we need to make all schools great. We know what works. Just so you know, our top 20% is number one in the, in the world. If you just take our top 20% of our schools, all the other schools, when we compete against them, we're number one in the world. The problem is we have the bottom 50% going to schools that are not, uh, not up to the same level. And we know what works. We, 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 we are clear about that small class sizes of less, you know, 20 or less. You know, 18, that's what shows what works. It shows that you have music, you know, language, you have extracurricular activities, you have sports, all of those things. You have art. We know what works. Make all schools like Saratoga and Los Gatos, by the way, which have great schools. But why can't we have the schools like that all over the, the, the region? Why are they just located in the places where the wealthy are? We know it works. Let's make schools great for everybody. I don't, I don't begrudge in someone who has a great school, but I do have a problem if some people have it just by their zip code have a, has a good school and then the other school doesn't have the same um, opportunities and the same type of education. So we can make all schools great. And, and I think it, it, it's, a, it, it's another way to um, end this inequality. So those are four or five um, you know, ideas that I think would really start impacting um, this, this wealth inequality that's just outrageous. If you just look at the numbers, go to, go to the, um, the pain index, you know, when you, when you have such a small amount owning, you know, the vast majority of wealth, it's just in a democracy, like we don't live in a, 
We don't live in a uh, um, where there's kings and queens. We live we, where the people are. We the people. So having such an inequality is, is is an affront to our democracy. I've been speaking about the minimum wage increase with Scott Myers Lipton, a sociology professor at San Jose State University. If you'd like to look up the pain index he's talking about, you can find that on SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thanks for coming on, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.